friends, it's me, Stephanie, your host of Immersive Crime. This past weekend, me and my love, Eric, went to Cincinnati for a little mini vacation. We finally got to visit Rheingeist Brewery, and if you've never been there, you need to go, for one. For two, when you walk in, you go up a metal staircase. The architecture is really cool there. But in the staircase up to the tap room, there are stickers everywhere. So, of course, I saw an opportunity to take and place a immersive crime sticker. But I decided to do it when we were on the way out. However, I didn't do it because with Eric's help, I got the courage to talk to the staff about my podcast. And one of them placed my sticker as well. And several others kept them. You can see a photo on my Instagram page of one of the um, employees of Rheingeist that kept a sticker and put it on her water bottle. And that is, of course, at immersive underscore crime underscore podcast. Also, if you've never checked out Cincinnati, Ohio or Rheingeist, it is a must do for sure. There's so much history in the city. There's so many things to do. Baseball games, football games, usually music somewhere. Um, lots of breweries to attend. At Rheingeist, for instance, you can do a tour of the brewery for only $10. You get the cool history about over the Rhine area, which is a German-inspired locale um, from immigrants. Um, they do much better on the tour than me explaining what over the Rhine is. Also, you get a free pint of your choice of the Rheingeist brew, and you get 10% off of merchandise. Now, you're probably thinking Rheingeist is a sponsor, but I wish. <laughs> so, hint, hint, Rheingeist, if you hear this, um, I'd be re- willing to record an ad for you. Okay, so enough of the updates. This week's case takes us into one that is 46 years old. But, unlike the past couple older cases we've done, it's been solved. I really feel like with all the advancements of technology that we will be hearing and seeing more of these types of stories. This was solved even with evidence being stored in plastic, which in case if you're not familiar with why that isn't good for DNA, it's because plastic generates moisture and that can break down or dilute the DNA that's on the items. Um, The lab who tested the clothing was also worried about just how old the clothes were, but they were successful. This week is the case the solved case of Lori Nesson. A warning to listeners. This case will contain descriptions that may be triggering to some, As always, please listen with care. Let's get started. Sit back and visualize. The year is 1974 and it's late September in the state capital city of Columbus, Ohio. When you would tune the dial to the local hit station, WNCI, you would hear the following hits. Feel Like Making Love by Roberta Flack and... Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe by Barry White. According to Weather History at Port Columbus International Airport's website, the day was almost 72 degrees during the daytime, with the night being a chilly 64 degrees, really the kind that we all think of when we think late September. 
You wear long pants with t-shirts during the day and add a long-sleeved something for the evening. Hoodie, button-down, jacket. Personally, it's my all-time favorite type of weather. Especially if you're going to be attending a football game to cheer on your team. And that is what 15-year-old Lori Nesson was doing that evening of September 27th, hanging out with her friends at a football game. Now, I will tell you what I learned about Lori Nesson. Lori Nesson was a sophomore or a 10th grader who attended Eastmore High School. This is located on the east side of Columbus, and now it's called Eastmore Academy. In reports used in research for this case, they all say Lori was an excellent academic performer who became an honors student from the time that she entered high school. Now, there isn't a lot of information out there about the Nesson family, But from what I can gather, it was Lori, her younger sister by two years, and their mother for sure that made up the Nesson family. Didn't mention anything of what happened to her dad or if she had any other siblings. That's all the information I could find. On the evening of September 27th, 1974, 15-year-old Lori Nesson was one of many students cheering in the crowds at a high school football game in Columbus, Ohio. I couldn't find who she was watching that night, and I don't know if it's because uh, the high school changed names. I'm assuming she was probably watching her high school versus someone else, but I couldn't find um, a schedule for Eastmore High School that went back to 1974, unfortunately. Um, and it's probably something to do with them changing their name to Academy, but I tried. I really did. Um, it is said after the game that Lori joined her classmates at several parties. Didn't have specifics about who she was with. I'm assuming this is also lacking in information because of how her case was solved, um, but we'll get there. She was last seen leaving a party at 12.30 a.m., but she never made it home. Her parents reported her missing the next day on September 28th, but that very same day, her body was found on Rose Hill Road in Reynoldsburg. Reynoldsburg is an east side suburb of Columbus. Um, It is a city also, but it's um, like on the way to Canal Winchester and Pickerington. It's kind of in between um, Pickerington and Columbus. So kind of still in the same area, just, and I'm not really sure where the Nessons lived. So I don't know if it was like closer to her neighborhood, like she was walking home or something like that. But, um, and you know, we talked about Reynoldsburg in our first episode as well. Uh, She was left naked and in a ditch. Her clothes were scattered along the road for several miles. Like somebody was chucking them out, in my opinion, is how I take that. Uh, Lori's death was initially not classified as a homicide oddly enough instead the coroner described it as death by asphyxiation from an unknown means now you know to me i just think that in 1974 there wasn't the technology there wasn't um the processes that we have now as far as being able to connect different dots and mo's and things like that um profilings to understand what happened at that time But um, that is not the end for the Nesson family. They would not give up. Lori's family had suspected foul play from the beginning. 
And her sister goes on to say, somebody knows something. A 92-pound, 15-year-old girl does not lay down on the side of the road naked and die on her own. And I would say that I'm 100% in agreement with um, Tony, Lori's sister. Why would she have removed all of her clothing and spread it out while she was walking down the ditch? It wasn't cold enough to cause hypothermia and give her the paradoxal undressing. And if you're not familiar with that, that's where um, a person is so cold, they get disoriented and confused, and usually they undress themselves for whatever reason. Um, But like I said in the beginning, it was only 64 degrees, so she could not have gotten hypothermia. Over the years, her case would be reviewed twice more, once in 1998 and then again in 2007 with no avail. With a lack of evidence and the storage of DNA testing capabilities, the case went cold and remained that way for decades. But that wasn't the end for this case. It wasn't until 2019 that the case was reopened. A Reynoldsburg patrol officer named Craig Bradford solicited the coroner's office to reopen and review the case based on a hunch that he had. He went through all the files, all the photos, all the evidence, and found many inconsistencies that suggested Lori's death had involved foul play. These things that he found, such as the times didn't add up from the time of death to the time that she was last seen, Also, the reports and the photos of the autopsy showed cuts and contusions on her body. She had a cut on her lip like it had been busted that would not be consistent with Lori just laying down and dying in a ditch on her own. In September of 2020, Officer Bradford presented all the evidence that he reviewed and the findings that he found to the Franklin County Coroner's Office and Lori's Nesson's case was officially ruled a homicide. Two months later, in December of 2020, the local news station, WBNS Channel 10 TV, it's a CBS affiliate here in Columbus, shared an article updating the public about Lori's case with the homicide ruling and how to share tips with the police. That is when they got a tip that would change everything. And that is why I will always share tip numbers when they're available. That's why you hear other people sharing tip numbers because every tip matters. After the segment aired, Police Sergeant Jim Koslow received a phone call from a cousin of a late Karen Adams, whose story was sadly very similar, very eerily similar to Lori Nesson's. Karen Adams was a 17-year-old that had been murdered just six months after Lori on March 9th of 1975. She had disappeared while walking to a friend's home. The next day, Karen's body was discovered much like Lori's, in a ditch in Blacklick, Ohio, less than four miles from Reynoldsburg. Like Lori, Karen's murder was left unsolved for decades. Sergeant Koslow reached out to the investigator who helped solve Karen's case in 2011 using advanced forensic technology which identified Karen's killers as Robert Meyer and Charles Weber. These two men, Charles Weber of Columbus and Robert Meyer of Cincinnati, 
had met in prison after Meyer was convicted of murder in 1963 and spent 10 years in the Ohio Penitentiary, which was in Columbus, and they now tore it down. It's where Old Sparky uses it. Both were released in the early 1970s, and authorities say they are responsible for the deaths of not only Lori and Karen, but also the kidnapping, assault, and attempted murders of two more women in Northwest Ohio area. The two were convicted of those crimes in 1977 and imprisoned. But before they were convicted of those in 1977, they met Lori and Karen, unfortunately. By this time in 2011, Charles Weber had already died, while Robert Meyer was 70 years old. 36 years after the murder of Karen, Meyer was quickly arrested and sentenced to 15 years in prison for the murder of Karen Adams. While serving the time, he died as well. Detective Chuck Clark from the Franklin County Sheriff's Office told Sergeant Coslow he believed these were likely the same two men responsible for Lori's murder. The Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation was then able to confirm Weber and Meyer were the men responsible for Lori Nesson's death based on DNA evidence and the profile of these men. They both had a violent criminal history, including murder, robbery, rape, and kidnapping. I truly believe sometimes that prison is a network for people. I mean, you're in there with people who have done all kinds of things and you're in there for some time with them. And even if your mindset isn't to make friends, it's human nature to form acquaintances and safety nets. It's just something I've always said. Um, The investigators truly believe that there could be more of the same type of homicides out there that are unsolved that these two men committed together. In a Crime Tracker 10 special report that was also WBNS Channel 10 that did this special report, Detective Chuck Clark said just that. When he was looking over the Karen Adams case, he had a gut feeling that there were more. Knowing that these two guys would have a pattern and they would commit crimes in a specific way, Meyer told him before he was imprisoned what they would do. He said they would go out drinking They would drive around the city or wherever they were. They would see young women or girls walking down the street alone. Um, They would approach the girls, and when they would get close enough to the vehicle, one would just jump out and grab them, where they would drive away, sexually assault them, and eventually take their life. According to a video report from the Ohio Attorney General's lab, um, the lady speaking didn't introduce herself in this video, um... But it was very interesting. And if you want to watch that video, it is um, on the Ohio Attorney General's website, which is ohioattorneygeneral.gov, if you want to see it. Um, But she said the way that the DNA was stored um, and the age of the DNA, they were actually so surprised they were able to get a full DNA marker on it. Um, And it wasn't any thing bad about the detectives or anything that they did. It was just a lack of the understanding of DNA and how to collect the evidence at the time in 1974. So with this profile, they were able to do a familia DNA comparison with a relative of Charles Weber. And the person who stepped forward was Charles Weber's son, 
to offer a cheek swab to provide the DNA that would confirm Charles was involved in the murders. Um, of course, it didn't give a full panel. It didn't give like 100% because then that would indicate that his son committed the crime. But it gave a partial, which was enough to confirm that Charles was the one that did it. And in 2021, Lori's family and friends gathered to honor her life, which Gene Adams, the brother of Karen Adams, also attended. Beforehand, Lori's sister Tony visited Lori's grave to tell her of her killer's identification and to let her know that justice had been served. Tony said in her heart she knew all along after so many years, I mean 46 years, that the committers of the crime were probably passed on. But she also goes on to say that she really hopes that this one opens the door for other cases for other families that have no answers. Nobody should ever have to wait 46 years. In the end, it's a win whether it be one that we ultimately want where the person who committed the crime and took the life suffers a punishment, but the family has answers. Ohio Attorney General David Yost is quoted in saying, Justice looks different in this case. Rather than a trial and conviction, this story seemingly ends at the identification of the deceased offenders, but the memory of Lori Nesson will carry on through her family and friends. And he should have also said, along with Karen Adams. As always, take time to say Lori Nesson and Karen Adams' names today. Her family finally has some closure because of Karen Adams' family. Lori was here, so was Karen, and they both still matter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.